0: Hey y'all from NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today's guest is someone you might recognize.
1: Bill Nye, the science
0: guy. Yeah, Bill Bill Nye, the science guy. I don't know about you, but he was one of my favorite teachers growing up. So I originally talked to Bill back in 2017, which was only three years ago, but now it kind of seems like a million. Anywho, back in 2017, Bill had a documentary come out about him and how the legend of Bill Nye came to be. It all began at this local TV station in Seattle, and eventually, you know, Bill grew into this worldwide phenomenon. The documentary is called Bill Nye Science Guy. It also looks at how he spends his time now campaigning for climate science, and it unpacks his trajectory of fame and whether that fame has changed him. At the time that we talked, Bill also had a new show on Netflix called... Bill Nye Saves the World. All right, here's me and Bill back in 2017. By the way, 2017, Sam, if you can hear me now, invest in sweatpants and Zoom and um, Google Jenny's ice cream. Okay, enjoy. How are you today, Mr. Nye?
2: Fabulous.
0: I do got to say, it is quite an honor to be able to talk with you. You were a big part of my childhood. I love you, man. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so you are a scientist who is very comfortable in front of a camera, talking to the world. You're a very good communicator. Did you know early on that you were gonna be a scientist that could be really good at talking to the world?
2: Uh no. I uh <laughs> I love science and I became you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. Which, for those of you unfamiliar, means I took a lot of physics, a lot of classical physics. That's what engineering is. But it was after I was encouraged to enter the Steve Martin Lookalike Contest. Stop it. And I won. I mean, I won the Seattle one. I did not win the national one.
0: How many people were in the Seattle competition?
2: Uh, Forty, according to me. I'm Googling now. Y'all, y'all do look alike. Well, I just really admired his style and his uh, irony. Nice, nice, nice. After that, I started doing stand-up comedy. People wanted me to be Steve Martin at a party or what have you. But then you want to do your own hilarious comedy science gags. And so I tried that for a while. I Opened for a lot of people that you may have heard of when they were on the circuit, like Jerry Seinfeld, for example. You opened for Jerry Seinfeld. Well, but this is in Seattle in a very small comedy club, which is still but very popular. opened
0: for Jerry Seinfeld. That's pretty awesome.
2: Well, I met him, you know, or he met me. Yeah. Yeah. No. Were you good at stand-up? No, I was mediocre, <laughs> but I, I liked it. I liked being on stage and telling jokes and trying to understand what made people laugh and try to make them laugh is really cool. And, of course, very gratifying when you are entertaining people.
0: So how do you end up from fair to to midland stand-up comic to Bill Nye the Science Guy? What takes you there?
2: Well, first of all, a guy in Seattle who was the program director at King TV said, "Uh, I want to have a comedy show. And uh, it's enough of a backwater where a guy... Could just do that local programming. You could just decide to do that. So he hired Ross Schaefer, who, if you study game shows, you may remember him. He was the host of a show called Love Me, Love Me Not. And so um, Ross, we were in the writers' meeting. He says, "Why don't you, uh, why don't you be Bill Nye, the Science Guy, or something?" But
0: he just gave you that name.
2: He was just thinking out loud. Huh. And uh, I thought that's a good idea. So by the end of the week, I come up with the idea for the household uses of liquid nitrogen. Wow. Classic science uh, demonstration. You freeze things and smash them. Ah. Great television. Yeah. And it was funny. So then after that, you know, there was an expectation to do a science guy demonstration every three weeks or so.
0: But like a funny science guy demonstration. Yeah.
2: And that was okay. And then I wanted to have my own show. And so I had done a couple videos with some people who became good friends, Jim McKenna and Aaron Gottlieb. And then uh, that was very popular. It took about four years to convince anybody to give money to do a show about science, and we did. And their pitch was, "Mr. Wizard meets Pee Wee's Playhouse." And these huh. may be older references for some of you, but I get it. That was the four-word pitch. Uh, the first one was 26 shows huh. for syndication, and we did 39. Shows. Then eventually you have. Sixty-five shows, and you can strip it, as the saying goes. It can be on five days a week, and that's when PBS picked it up. So uh, the reach is still huge, and it is millions. It is. It's tens of millions of kids, of people.
0: You know, when I think back to that show, you were teaching kids about science. Still Uh, am, peoples. (laughs) um, Now you're in a phase where you're kind of on a different mission, you know, thinking about – Netflix, Bill Nye Saves the World, It's it, you're trying to save the world. This this seems different in scope. You are on a mission to educate the world about climate change. Do you see this as a different phase of your career? A, a yeah, yeah. Objective?
2: I mean, now I'm talking to grown-ups. I mean, there's no... Okay. On the kids' show, first of all, we did Fundamental Science. Yeah. The pull of gravity isn't so strong that we can't raise our arms or anything, but it does pull on everything all the time. So if we're standing on the Earth's surface, it pulls us down toward the center of the Earth. We didn't do ethics, mm-hmm. or, or whatever you might call it. <laughs> What's the matter, Bill? Everything. Everything matter, Except energy, of course. Also the key idea, a key idea, everybody, if you're a science educator, is what I call the DIV, the discipline in vocabulary. When you're talking to fourth graders, you have to not use words that a fourth grader would not be have been exposed to. That's true. How do you feel about millennia? Too much. Yeah. yeah thousands that's, that's, of thousands of years. Yes. Or a very long time. A very long time. Yeah. Uh, Along that line, also, you must not – I strongly encourage people to refrain from talking down to Mm -hmm. the the listener, the viewer. Talk to kids just as you would to another grown-up. And uh, this – people responded to it. So on the new show and Saves the World, we just have more complex topics that have, let's say, not a clear-cut scientific answer. We want to give you something to think about.
0: Yeah. Uh, A lot of people – hear the name Bill Nye, they think of the show, and they wonder, where have you been all these years? You've been busy, but less visible than during that time. So yes. for those that haven't been keeping up, where you been, Bill?
2: Well, after we did this, we, after I, my colleagues and I did the Science Guy show, we did 100 episodes. Uh, I did other things on the Discovery Channel. I did, I did another show called The Eyes of Nye. There's a couple episodes of that that are still very popular. Then I did the 100 greatest discoveries, 100 greatest inventions. I did stuff happens on planet green, and so I did a whole bunch of shows that were not watched. They were on higher channel numbers on the cable system. Mm-hmm. But now uh, I got the Netflix show, man. Bill Nye saves you. the world. We're back at it. Yeah, and big have, time. it really is big time. I mean, we have. I'll just. Uh, I'm estimating that we have what a 8 times the budget per episode that the science guy show had. Really? Yeah. So we it's just cool. We fly people in from Australia just to be on the air for 3 or 4 minutes and Wow. So uh it's cool. I did not expect at this point in my life to have my career you know be uh, blowing up.
0: All right, time for a break. Coming up, Bill goes up against a climate change denier. BRB.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Best Fiends. When sprawling grocery lines, stalled drive-throughs, and the ever-growing list of -of end-of-week to-dos conspire to foul up your weekend, you don't even flinch. Why? Because you downloaded Best Fiends, the five-star rated mobile puzzle game, which means you've got a boredom-busting secret weapon ready to launch. So let drudgery take its best shot. You came prepared. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends.
0: The way things are going right now, even if you can keep track of what's happening in the news, it's hard to know why it's happening, what it really means. That's why we have created a daily podcast that answers your questions about the news in about 10 minutes every weekday. It's called Consider This, new episodes every weekday afternoon from NPR. I want to talk a bit about the topic of this documentary that is making the festival circuit right now. Is Bill Nye, colon, science guy. What made you want to do this at this time?
2: Well, so my understanding, everybody understand from me, I signed a contract. I had no creative control over this documentary film about me. These guys followed me around and one woman followed me around for two years. Mm -hmm. And then after the recent presidential election, they re-edited the whole film, changed everything and emphasized my conflict with uh, a little bit with this guy, Mark Morano. There's also Ken Ham. And Well, Ken Ham is a climate change denier, contrarian. And that's – as I told him on camera, that's the worst thing he does. I mean he – Trying to teach kids that the earth is 6,000 years old is bad, but insisting that everybody believe that the earth is not warming is really dangerous and bad. And it's uh, mendacious. It's lying to people. The fundamental thing we disagree on, Mr. Ham, is this nature of what you can prove to yourself. When people make assumptions, they're making assumptions based on previous experience. They're not coming out of whole cloth. I encourage you to explain to us why, why we should accept your word for it, that natural law changed just 4,000 years ago, completely, and there's no record of it.
0: Natural law hasn't changed. As I talked about, you know, we, I said we have the laws of logic, the uniformity of nature, and that only makes
1: sense within a biblical worldview anyway of a creator God who set up those laws, and that's why we can do good experimental science because we assume those laws are true and they'll be, they'll be true uh,
0: tomorrow, so so um, so so people like Ken Ham, he is very deliberately arguing against science. Uh, he's a creationist. He built that Noah's Ark theme park. Like you know exactly who he is, uh, and it's very likely that he's not going to change his mind.
2: Oh no! Why he's even not debate change. him? So, so oh, then, why because, debate him? Oh yeah. So, uh, as I tell everybody, my audience was not in the auditorium in Petersburg, Kentucky. My audience is on the internet. On totally. So, there's been six, almost six and a half million views of that two-hour debate. And I believe I exposed Ken Ham for the anti-science guy that he is.
0: Do you think that you won that debate?
2: Well, I would say the internet... Thinks by the internet. I mean, people who took the time to chime in on Twitter and, and Facebook comments believe I won the debate.
0: Yeah, I guess why I ask is because, you know, after that debate and the publicity it caused, he got a bunch of money. He got a lot of donations. Like, is – in some way, your debate with these people that will never have their minds changed on these issues of climate science, are you just magnifying their message, well, which this is could the, have a negative effect?
2: The, this is the question. I, my claim is that eventually it will catch up with him because uh, I or people have exposed his activities as flawed. And uh, the people that I'm concerned with are the kids who are being raised with this lack of understanding of science, complete misunderstanding of the scientific method. How did God create us? How did God create us? The Bible says he spoke and it
0: happened because he is all powerful, because he's infinite creator God.
2: So young woman, I would say to you that there's a process that humans have developed over millennia by which we know nature. And we call that science. The big thing in science is questioning things. So, are you, are you telling this little girl that she is just an animal? The word just, I disagree I with. She's a wonderful, beautiful animal. I just. believe with cat. Say again? I believe with Mr. Okay, so as you get older, just look at the world. I really encourage you to go to college.
0: So, then if it's the kids, would you, like, would it be a better use of your time to not argue with that man, but to. Uh, reboot Bill Nye the Science Guy for those kids
2: well this is we did a Science Guy show about evolution uh, and it's okay it's, it's okay uh, I would I think this has raised a lot of awareness of the importance of evolution in the way that the single episode of the kid show Science Guy show did not okay evolution is the most important idea the fundamental idea in all of biology in all of life science Without evolution, as the saying goes, biology makes no sense. And so, this is a very important idea for everybody to understand.
0: All right, time for one more break. When we come back, we get right to the heart of who Bill Nye really is. BRB.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Sometimes food is more than just food, it's an integral part of the community. So this year, Discover is giving $5 million to support Black-owned restaurants to places like Post Office Pies in Birmingham, Alabama, Back in the Day Bakery in Savannah, Georgia, and hundreds more Black-owned restaurants in your local community all across the country. Learn how you can show your support at discover.com.
0: I'm Guy Raz, and on NPR's How I Built This... How a simple splash of color accidentally launched Sandy Chilowich into a 40-year career as a designer, entrepreneur, and creator of the now-famous Chilowich placemat. Subscriber, listen now. I want to step back a little bit and, you know, talk about... The arc of your career, you know, watching this documentary. Um, You run the organization that Carl Sagan used to run. You hang out with Neil deGrasse Tyson and drink wine with him. You're probably one of the most popular and most recognizable and famous scientists in the world. Do you like that? Do you like being famous?
2: Uh, Yeah. What I want to be is influential. Okay. Okay. When people embrace science and people who watched the show, The Science Guy Show, become captains of industry and make sweeping changes so that we electrify ground transportation, provide clean water, renewable electricity, and access to the internet to everyone on earth, then I will sit on the porch in my rocking chair and think deep thoughts.
0: Sit on the porch in your rocking chair, think deep thoughts, but you won't miss the camera? You I mean, like, you won't miss the lights?
2: I guess. I love being on the TV, you guys. I, mean, I <laughs> okay. like it.
0: That's what I'm asking.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, you what I, do you, like you, about may, it? you may have met actors who like acting.
0: There's that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: what is it that drives humans is storytelling. We all love to tell – I mean many of us love to listen to stories. Many of us like to tell stories. And it fascinates me. I'm trying to influence people. I want to get people excited about the opportunities we have – to make the world better, to leave the world better than we found it. Yeah. When you're in love, you want to tell the world, people.
0: So the reason I ask about fame, Bill, is there's this scene in the documentary where you're talking uh, with this doctor, Heather Berlin, and she's been actually monitoring your brain for years to keep an eye out for this genetic disease that you don't have. Um, But you kind of say to her in this conversation that you regret not ever having a family. And you say that happened because you were doing this whole TV thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was caught up for sure in making the show. Do you regret that? A little bit, yeah. But, you know, you can't go back. Second law of thermodynamics. Time, the arrow of time only goes one way. Yeah, so I do regret that, but uh, you got to get over it. How do you get over it? it? Well, you got to move on. So Dr. Berlin was talking about in other parts of the interview, but I guess it went on for quite a while. They have done studies where uh, they take an MRI of your brain, then you go into talk therapy for a couple years. You talk to your shrink every week for a few years, and they do another magnetic resonance image, and your brain has changed. So I have MRIs of my brain from the 1990s, and she wants to compare those to my brain now. And my hypothesis is, having been interrupted huh. in mid-sentence for decades, now people want a selfie. It has changed my brain. I would I'd be surprised if it's not changed.
0: For better or for worse. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, but you know how you feel. Do you, like, do you think the last 20, 30 years of fame have been good for you? Or oh, yeah.
2: You? It's been cool. Come on. But
0: I'm saying like on your
2: soul. Uh, well, I, I, as I say, I, I think it does shorten your life a little. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, How much? M- maybe not as much as smoking, but a little bit. Uh, so then
0: you have some regrets about fame.
2: Yeah, yeah. But if I had to do it again, that's pretty much what I'd be doing.
0: I, I want to talk about another emotional scene from the documentary. You uh, talk about members of your family having a disorder called ataxia. And so your dad had it, your sister has it. And what does it do to the body?
2: Well, you walk like you're drunk. You lose your balance. And Mm -hmm. also motor skills, your fine motor skills are deeply affected. Like threading a needle is very difficult. Mm. People have trouble keeping a single image. You get double images. People wear prism-style glasses. So you don't have it. Apparently not.
0: So in the documentary, you kind of allude to having a sort of survivor's guilt that you don't have this disorder and and your family does. Does your family's experience with ataxia, has it affected the way that you view science?
2: Well, if anything, I believe in it all the more. This is not something you can will away, but you can compensate for it with science and technology. So my sister wears this odd vest with these weights in it. You actually add weight to yourself And it improves your balance. And the reason for it is not entirely clear. And uh, you can do exercises to, uh, it is presumed, manage the conditions. But uh, why those work is not fully understood. Do you really develop new neural pathways, secondary neural pathways? Is it just in your brain or is it your central nervous system, your spinal cord? And these sort of things are of great interest to us and great interest to a small number of researchers. Uh, and a group of them is at the Kennedy Krieger Institute in, in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins. So uh, it's, all, it's all fascinating. It is fascinating. <clears throat> but I was given the impression by two separate physicians mm-hmm. when I was in my 20s, which is some time ago, everybody – That the more active you were, the more different things you did, the less likely you were to suffer from this ataxia. Mm. So I became very active, running, bicycling, ultimate frisbee, throwing balls around, juggling. Okay. And uh, it may have had absolutely nothing to do with it. It's just uh, you just want to be empowered. You want to feel like you're doing something. But this condition made my dad very stubborn. This is before ADA ramps and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. services and parking spaces and so on. Yeah. So he, the way these people <clears throat> deal with it say, well, I was just careless. I dropped this. I fell down the stairs because I was careless.
0: But it's actually something.
2: It's actually, yeah, this thing in your, the back of your brain, the base of your brain, your cerebellum. And so this caused conflict between my mother and father. And uh, this affects you this, uh, huh. as the twig yeah. is bent.
0: That's right. That's right. So how long are you on this uh, climate change mission? Is this the thing that takes you out of here? Will you be on this ship for the duration? I mean, until I die. Well, I don't uh, want to say that word. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. that's a feature, apparently, of being a living thing. Uh, There's that. So an important feature, by the way. Yeah, yeah.
0: But like, will this climate change mission take you to the grave?
2: Unless people turn it around. And I'll go off on doing something else. And uh, the the thing that I think about or the feature of history I think about continually is my parents were both in World War II. And during World War II, everybody was talking about World War II. That's all they were talking about. The music was about World War II. The style of cars. Then what you did with your disposable income. The rationing. Everything was about winning the war. If we decided to do something about climate change akin to that, We'd be getting her done. We'd get her done.
0: Bill Nye, the science guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Bill Nye. We spoke back in 2017. That film that we discussed, the documentary about him, it's called Bill Nye, Science Guy. And his Netflix show is called Bill Nye Saves the World. All right, listeners, we're back in your feed on Friday with a new episode. As always, for the Friday episodes, we want to have you involved. Record the sound of your voice sharing the best part of your week and send that voice memo to me via email at samsanders at npr.org, samsanders at npr.org. All right, till then, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon.